Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And welcome into this week's Everything Under the Sun podcast. I'm Ken Prell. I'm in for uh, Dean DeVore this week. It is uh, episode number 10 of the uh, fall series. And uh, this week, we're going to take a look back at Hurricane Sandy. Uh, hard to believe it's been 10 years since that storm hit the uh, northeast part of the United States. And uh, earlier this week, uh, Dean actually had a chance to sit down with AccuWeather's Jonathan Porter. John is our Senior Vice President of Weather Content and Forecast Operations, also our Chief Meteorologist. And this was a uh, just a, a, a great conversation uh, between John and Dean. And uh, here it is, taking a look back at Superstorm Sandy here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. John, welcome in. As uh, we were getting ready to, to record this, you and I were just sitting down and kind of reminiscing about this whole event uh, 10 years ago and and extremely memorable, not just by the numbers. I mean, when you look at this being the most extremely destructive and strong Atlantic hurricane, largest hurricane on record measured by diameter Mm. with tropical storm force winds spanning over 1,150 miles at one point, $70 billion in damage, 233 lives lost across eight states. Mm. Of course, the memorable damage and problems uh, that we are most familiar with is what happened as this storm came into New Jersey and impacted New York City, right? As I was kind of getting onto New York City more regularly on 1010 winds, and I can't, I remember that Sunday into that Monday as this storm was coming in and just remembering the abject fear. And, and, and what I was thinking about when we were looking at this is we just had this similar situation to me from what I remember back to that 10 years ago with Ian, where AccuWeather and uh, we we saw the the potential for this to happen as it was developing. We were kind of out in front again in some ways more than some other people in terms of what our fears were about that storm. And it's tough because, uh, you know, first of all, all those fears were realized. And that's uh, sometimes I think can get in your head as a meteorologist when you're when you're looking at that. But then also, I think it gave us a blueprint of what is possible. You know, we had uh, theorized and summarized how bad a a strike of a storm this size could be uh, in that area, hadn't been touched for for decades and, and, and years. And then you wonder, 10 years later, after we've recovered, we're still seeing signs that these huge storms coming up along the eastern seaboard are ramping up in intensity, creating... Uh, wind and rain problems 
Um, so what was thought as a 100-year storm or a problem before, now you wonder if we're into a situation where we could see this again soon. So these are all things that you and I wanted to talk about as we revisit this. Uh, just some of your thoughts about 10 years ago and how, when we were going into this storm, how, how it looked and what your recollections of that time were. Yeah, Dean, that's, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. We remember storms here as uh, meteorologists uh, for different reasons, right? And as we say, no storm is ever ever the same. The impacts, the forecasting challenges, the communication is always very different. This is one I will personally never forget either. And there were a couple aspects of it, Dean, in terms of beyond the horrible impact that uh, the storm had to so many people. Lives changed forever in the matter of a few minutes or a few hours, up all up and down the uh, eastern seaboard, as you mentioned. But the aspect of being able to see the pattern for that unusual left turn right. of the storm, right. right, as it was coming up the coast and that it was going to interact with this significant jet stream disturbance dropping south out of the Great Lakes states and that uh, the, the two would join forces to conspire to produce these dangerous impacts. You had a hurricane merging with a developing mid-latitude storm, right? Right. And we saw those factors coming together aided by the recognition of the pattern mm -hmm. by our team right. and that superior output from the European forecast model that for many days, days and days and days, days in yeah. advance, had that signal of the upper air pattern developing in order to be able to unleash that type of a storm. And that un I don't know, I think I'll ever forget that left turn. Yeah, it was, it was dramatic. That. It was dramatic because that is not the norm in no. these. The norm in these is that as these storms are coming up along the eastern seaboard, it gets picked up by a trough or a, a front that's pushing in from the north and west, and it just rockets those storms usually right up along the eastern right. seaboard. And then Some, sometimes out. Yeah, sometimes out, sometimes clipping Long Island, a lot of times clipping New England, then heading up into Atlantic Canada, or pushing it out so it's out over the ocean. But this was, you know, it came up to a point, and then it was just that hard left right towards uh, bringing teen and, and, and Atlantic City. I think one of the things that I was thinking about, too, is that, you know, when you look at that, the way everything had been built up along the Jersey Shore to that mm. point and decades of really no problems and sure, some stronger nor'easter storms that would, uh, you know, beach erosion and problems there. And maybe those frontline properties on the shore down along the Jersey Shore would have intermittent issues. But this was water that came all the way from the ocean, went across those land masses, across into the bays, and even farther inland than that. It was just um, some of those uh, those views are striking. I was talking to John Montone, Ten Ten Winds, uh, who lives on the Jersey Shore. He lives down on on uh, Long Beach Island, and and just what he remembers um, their structure that they were in at the time. They had to rebuild, and so they're in a whole brand new house and um just amazing stuff but in that 10 years all, all those places are built back have we learned lessons i mean that's maybe that's the question for the end but maybe i want to ask that up front here right now. now i don't think we've learned all the lessons we need to learn on this type of uh, of risk that existing as you mentioned and part of the challenge there was the communication of this event and i think this this event sandy and how the weather community messaged it, it changed forever how meteorologists oh, view the communication. Yeah, because here at AccuWeather, I'll never forget this. We had a meeting 
uh, with many of our senior leaders to talk about as we saw this developing. And we knew it was going to be a hurricane that was gradually going to become uh, merge, as we said, with this intensifying jet stream disturbance across the Great Lakes. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that because I think that in the nomenclature gets a little weird, but, but keep going. Yeah, and, and, and we met and we had a meeting about that in, in advance. I'll never forget it when we saw that pattern setting up and we said, we're calling this thing a hurricane because we knew it was going to have increasing impacts as it, as it uh, made landfall. And this was an issue because no other source, the government was not calling it a hurricane at that time. And Dean, you and I being from the northeastern part of the United States, we know that when you talk about a nor'easter and a, even a strong nor'easter, that elicits one response. But a hurricane mm. in the northeast right. and eastern seaboard results in another response. And what we saw was we knew that as this evolution of the storm was going to be occurring, the wind field of the storm was going to be greatly intense, expanded, expanded, right? right. So, and, no, so and, a lot and, of times in storms, that wind field of the hurricane force and the and the tropical storm force is pretty tight. Yeah, you look at Andrew right. that came barreling across <laughs> Category Five, uh, but the wind field was really tight, and so a lot of the damage is really in that uh, homestead and and Miami area, with uh, a lot less as you go farther out. This was not the case. This was as this thing is growing, as this thing's getting that new injection of new energy. Uh, and a kind of a new system that's kind of being born out of two systems in one, which we see a lot along the coast, especially in the winter, two merging systems. Um, this was creating a, a, a huge area. And we said that about, a, what was it, a thousand miles, yeah. 1,150 miles yeah. uh, from one side of the diameter to the other for tropical storm force winds. And that's 35, 40 miles per hour plus with what was it, 80 to 90 sustained it, when it came into it was, scene, it, yeah, right? yeah, It was, and, and, and that big wind field, that expanding wind field, that was what we were concerned about, about surge. And we knew in advance that this would be some of the worst surge that people have ever seen in their lifetime across uh, parts of the, uh, of the northeastern seaboard there. You mentioned in, in certainly in New Jersey and up in New York City, but other areas as well. And it was that uh, feet and feet of water uh, level increase that occurred. And of course, waves on battering waves on top of that. And with an expanding and intensifying storm system, uh, that's what created all that damage. Of course, those pictures that are ever etched in our minds about the damage along the Jersey coast uh, and, and so many homes and businesses in that way. But also on the flip side, Dean, as well, the fact that the same storm mm -hmm. resulted in 40 inches of snow blizzard or more blizzard in, conditions in, in the mountains West Virginia, of West Virginia yeah. is that cold air wrapped into the backside of the storm. It just shows you the energy and the uh, tremendous uh, display of the atmosphere that is associated with that particular storm. So let's just quickly talk about the nuts and bolts of that, because I think people get confused. Uh, it's now colloquially called Superstorm Sandy, and it's right. this, this idea of it was at hurricane situation gets infused. The way I like to explain, a hurricane is like a closed low. So if you see a system, uh, an area below pressure on a weather map, if it's a hurricane or a tropical system, you just see the low. You don't see fronts coming out of it. Right. A, a low that we deal with in the continental United States has different parts, different, different sectors. Different air masses. Different right. air masses. Colliding, so, yeah. Right. So you got usually warm air out in front yep. of it that's uh, pushing, and then you get a cold front behind it. But you can see those fronts, and there's dry air that entrenches around it and all those things. So you took that closed low that was... The, the, the impetus for Sandy at that point. And then you inject this new piece of energy in that has 
uh, extra tropical or normal characteristics, as we would say, then that's when we created this hybrid situation for uh, this storm, which I think, again, this was the part of the messaging that was tough to people. Because I remember that being on winds. You know, We were calling it a hurricane. We were having hurricane force winds and then trying to... Tr- you know, educate people on storm surge, which I think for that yeah, area was not something tough. that people had thought of because storm surge to them was maybe two, three, four feet of inundation, right? right? At the very worst kind of northeastern, nor'easter storms. But we were talking dozens of feet inundation here right. and all the way up to New York City, which, you know, what uh, New York City, millions of dollars, $4.2 billion of damage in those. Uh, oh, there's catastrophic, catastrophic damage to subways. Subway, and, yeah. Terrible oh, yeah. And, and that surge is always a challenge. I was just talking on our TV network uh, last week. Uh, surge, as it related to uh, Ian, of course, was the uh, primary loss of cause of the primary loss of life uh, with the storm. It's always hard because we've seen rain and wind before, many people, right? Maybe not to the caliber that you get in these big hurricanes and uh, and other storms, but we know what the danger looks like and we can perceive how greater winds and greater rainfall can be a real problem. Surge, most people haven't seen how quickly the water comes up. And Dean, as you mentioned, not only is it feet and feet of water level increasing and just the complete inundation of everything in its path, but you have these battering waves on top of it. People on balance haven't seen that. So it's right. hard to visualize. It's hard to visualize. And then it's hard to internalize and really recognize how dangerous of a threat it is. I think we've only in the last 10 or 20 years yeah. been able to visualize what a tornado can right. do right. because of the increase of video, right? right. Of, of, of the things that we see. And then even straight line wind damage of hurricanes, we've seen more and more from people being out and reporting in person or, again, all these cameras that are around. And so I think, you know, you and I both saw an Ian people swimming in the storm surge, mm-hmm. which we were like, come on, crazy. I think the other thing about storm surge that is tough when you're trying to talk about it is a, a little deviation or a little variance in the path of these storms can create huge differences. And we thought, you know, go back to Ian now just uh, a couple of months ago. What if that storm had been 20, 30 miles a little farther north? That would have brought Tampa Bay into it. Yeah, the whole equation would have been different. Right. Minor changes to that um, can really result in a big difference in the surge amount. Also, the timing as it relates to high and low tides is really critical yes. as well. Um, and uh, where you are in, in that regard. And the thing with the surge, too, is it can also go up into the bays and inlets and be amplified into tidal rivers. And so it's not only a problem right at the coast, but it can move inland into those types of uh, inlets and, and tidal rivers. So surge is a real challenge. And this one, I think, was a big wake-up call, Dean, to your point, in terms of how serious a threat surge can be along the eastern seaboard of the United States, especially in a world where we're going to be dealing with continued water level rises as we deal with sea level rise resulting from climate change. And that can make and amplify surge factors even further. Yeah, absolutely. So as we kind of put a little bit bow on this here, uh, what, as our chief meteorologist at AccuWeather, in those 10 years, would you say that now AccuWeather has learned and what AccuWeather is trying to do in these situations? I think we saw that when we got ready for Ian. Again, we were seeing a pattern that really uh, spoke to us about the dangers of what was going to happen there. And I think the experience with Sandy 
made us over the years now, at least to me in the last 10 years, to not be afraid to be out on the limb if we need to, if we think the possibility is there, as long as once we get to a point where we can know it's going to happen or think it's not going to happen, that we keep everybody updated. Well, Dean, that's right. I think, we look, we did a great job in terms of getting the advance notice out, talking about what the range of possibilities were. I remember we were criticized at the time relative to that because people didn't understand why we would be using that mess kind of messaging. And we did it because that's core to who we are at AccuWeather. We're going to explain what we see as the possibility of the pattern talk about the risks, what we think focus on the impacts, even in a really unusual situation like that, we raise the alarm bell early and often. And as we got closer to the event, we started talking in more and more detail about what we expected the impacts would be on a location by location basis. And we weren't afraid to vary from what other sources were talking about because we knew that it was really important to convey this was going to be uh, hurricane plus all the more, as you talked about, in terms of the fact that you had all those different factors coming together with a really, a, what had been a really unusual setup to produce that type of extreme risk and to communicate that to people in a way that was understandable and actionable for them, not only for people, but also all the businesses that we helped prepare and help communities bring products into those communities in New Jersey and up and down the East Coast where there was going to be so many impacts. And we helped many of our business customers be better prepared so that they could serve people in their communities more effectively. So I think it reinforced, Dean, uh, many of the things that we've talked about as being core to how we communicate and describe the weather. And I also think it has real has been a realization from the entire weather community that that kind of impact and communication really matters. And the weather service, after the storm, came back and said, hey, if that happens again, we're going to do what AccuWeather did, which is we're not going to worry about these scientific nuances of is it warm core, is it not? Right. Which, by the way, was later proven it was not only a warm core storm while it was making landfall – in New Jersey, academically, right. it was also intensifying. So the call for it to be a hurricane was the right one from a communication and from a science perspective. But the Weather Service has come back and said later, hey, we're going to issue hurricane warnings if that happens. I shouldn't say if, when that type of situation happens again so that people are better prepared and understand and truly internalize what the risks are and help them make better decisions. And um, just to tie this all up, I think that is part and parcel why, you know, AccuWeather uh, early on uh, became a weather-ready nation ambassador. Absolutely. And uh, we just had the episode last week where the announcement that we are now uh, uh, an ambassador of distinction. And uh, so I think that partnership and we just had Ken Graham and appear uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And so that partnership is critical and we feel that AccuWeather... Uh, very proud to be given that honor and then very proud to work with everybody that need, we need to work with to make sure people keep safe and keep their lives and property protected. You're right. That's really critical. Getting that message out early and often and helping people understand what is the uh, impact that we're expecting in their particular community. And also recognizing, Dean, I think that maybe the, the key lasting message for this storm is just because you haven't seen something happen like that in your community before doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And it's also a reminder to all of us to be extra vigilant in a world driven by climate change. We're seeing things happen outside of the typical seasons that we may have associated with those risks before. Right. And we're seeing different impacts, flooding in places that people have never seen it, 
happened before. And I think actually these kinds of hybrid systems, they're all the more dangerous because they're bringing a, a multitude of extra facets into the equation uh, that you might not get with purely a regular storm and right. you might not get with purely a hurricane. And I think that uh, we're going to have to be on our guard here going forward. More of these kinds of storms are on the way, Dean. Yeah, definitely more big wind, big uh, rain and all those kinds of things. John, thank you so much for being with us. Good to be with you. And uh, remember uh, this dangerous storm and uh, and what we can take away from from uh, all the impacts of this very serious situation. What a great discussion on uh, Superstorm Sandy. Uh, my thanks again to uh, Jonathan Porter, our chief meteorologist here at AccuWeather, uh, for taking the time to look back at Sandy with Dean this week on everything under the sun. That's actually going to do it for uh, this week's episode. Dean will be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, like I said, Dean will be back next week. I'm Ken Prell. Have a great weekend. And remember, if you are out and about, you can get your hyper-local forecast wherever you are, specific to your neighborhood, even your street address. All you have to do is download our free AccuWeather app, or visit AccuWeather.com. Until next week, have a good one, and thank you for listening to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com. 